0: We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson in studio with Robin Jones Gunn, and we are bringing you part two. If you have listened last week, you know that our guest, her story of coming to Jesus is just Um, captivating. Um, If you didn't listen, you need to go back. No fair reading the end of the book before starting (laughs) the beginning of the book.
1: That's right. This is Tessa Afshar that we're speaking with today. And she is a friend of mine that I adore. I just feel such a Kindred. Kindred connection with her. We're both writers, so that's how we met. But there's also been more that the Lord has been doing in her life, and we tag team back and forth. One of those things is to do training for um, writers and publishers in difficult places of the world. And Tessa and I had a chance to do a um, Zoom workshop. in. It was held in Jordan, And she and I were on different
2: states, Uh, parts
1: of the continent, and we were able to zoom in and do our workshop and have this outreach to these writers and publishers throughout the Middle East. So
0: Tessa might tell us a little bit about that. But Tessa, welcome back. Okay, Tessa, when we ended, you were growing in your faith and you were telling us that your dad got saved, your sister got saved, your brother's a holdout, and uh, you... You were able to persuade your mother by just loving on her, being with her and showing her the love of Jesus. And that's where we were. And I want to pick up from there and say, uh, what's the rest of the story?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, and thank you for having me back. What an honor. Yeah, I want to start by saying I was not perfect, because sometimes when you try to condense your story really quickly, it makes it sound like I'm such a saint of God, uh, (laughs) that I loved my mother perfectly. And it's not, that's not the way it works. I made plenty of mistakes. There were plenty of moments when I had um, a, a moment I shouldn't have had and had to come on my knees before Jesus and say, Lord, forgive and fix what I did. So it's just that the general direction of my relationship with my mother uh, was the direction of love, was the direction of forgiveness. And that doesn't mean that I didn't make mistakes. And And
0: that's the best any of us can do. Exactly. That's That's the very best. So good. Yeah. And and thank you for that. I always find in autobiographies, uh, they're more honest than when somebody else is writing about your story. They tend to leave that out. But... uh, Autobiographies—they always like—and I had a bad attitude. It's like, thank you, thank you, because I had a really bad one today. Yes,
2: yeah, absolutely, and because you have to realize that these things, like my my dad being baptized, my mom being baptized, my sister coming to Christ. They they all had their own journeys. They all took several years, mm. and they and even after salvation, even after coming to Jesus, they had their own struggles. I mean, my parents were older when they turned to Jesus, so they had to figure their their way as all of us do. Mm. So I, it just takes a whole lot of. I think grace for this journey for yourself and for those that you're loving so good uh, as 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 you watch them you know as you watch them struggle in the world so at at that point I I became a Christian I had said to Jesus lord this is going to be between you and me. Like I'm going to be a quiet kind of Christian. We're not going to like go and spread it around. Well, the next thing I know, I'm so in love with Jesus. A, I'm going to seminary and I, I end up with a 3-year degree wow. um in you know, a master's of divinity. I'm studying like Greek and Hebrew and <laughs> read the Bible more intensely. It's a, it's not at all private. Is all what I'm trying to say yes uh, because once you fall in love with Jesus you have to tell you have to share in whatever gifting you have now we're speaking about my gifting and I, I want to say a little bit when I was a kid I loved writing and in fact that was I think my core gifting but I grew up in a, in a household and in a country, indeed, where everything was about being practical. So I remember I would give my dad my um, sometimes the essays that I had written and he would get tears in his eyes because he loved those stories. Mm-hmm. And Then he would kind of, yeah, it was really beautiful. But then he would kind of get come to himself and he'd say, yeah, but how did you do in math? <laughs> Why did he do his science? <laughs> because you know he was afraid that if he encouraged me too much that that would like i would just chase after this and then i would kind of die hungry because <laughs> no, you know how can you make money this way and, and i understand i understand that whole desire to be more practical in life and and i and i believe in it to some degree but i think that we all kind of miss the boat on this in that when god calls you to something when he gifts you in a way he will he will take care of those practicalities along the way and Amen. he will open the right doors so true so, um so for me i told you i was reading romance novels in the balcony of the church sadly so by the time i was in my early 20s the thing i wanted to be more than anything in the world was to be a romance novelist And I wrote a couple of short romance novels in sort of like these um, romance series that I love to read. And I sent them in and they came very close to being published. But at the end of the day, they actually apologized to me, which now that I know the industry, I know this never happened. They apologized to me and they said, we're so sorry, we can't publish this. But could you send us the next thing you write? Wow. But here is the thing. All of those things that happened in my life, because, you know, our histories, they weave the threads of who we are. All of those things, those losses and those rejections had caused a certain part of my soul to be really fragile. Mm. I could not handle rejection or failure. Mm. And so those, that's all it took for me. Those two no's were enough for me to say, I can't do that. Mm. I'm not good enough.
1: Mm.
2: And I walked away for mm. 20 years. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, during that time, I would write, I would always start a story or something because I loved it. You know, I'm wired that way. But um, But I couldn't finish it because a voice in my head would say, this is terrible. No one will ever want to read this. This is boring. And I... I agreed with every accusation and Mm. I believed in every accusation. And so I'd leave it halfway finished until 20 years later. I felt God really during prayer say to me, you have to finish this book or it will be too late for you. Wow. Wow. And so I made a commitment to Jesus that I would that I, I I finished that book. Even though, and this is what I want to say, is there are parts of your heart in your calling that are going to be fragile because the enemy will have come against those parts. He he can sense the things that God has created in you. He knows that even though he can't tell the future, but he knows that those will be used for him in the kingdom in a powerful way. So he's going to come against them. He's going to try and break them. He's going to try and diminish them. And so during those 20 years, as I had walked with Jesus, Jesus had been shoring up my strength. So when I started finishing that book, Every time I still heard that voice, I would turn to Jesus and I would say, you know, I made a promise to you and you are here to shield me. Whatever you do with this, it's good enough for me. I'm doing this with you.
1: Oh, that's and I finished, beautiful. Now, was I that first that one, was that Pearls in the Sand?
2: Pearl in the Sand. Pearl in the my Sand. Yes, I love yes. that book. I'm so glad because it's the story of Rahab and it's the story of, Um, it really focuses on Rahab after her marriage to one of the leaders of Judah because I knew that marriage was going to be full of trouble because here's a woman, we're told, um, she's a woman who's made her living as a prostitute, married to a man who prides himself in his righteousness because he's one of the leaders of Judah. He's one of the princes of Judah. And those two paths. Are going to create trouble. And that's really, uh, that novel is about uh, Rahab recognizing her worth in God and learning to live life as this new creation.
1: And you do such a beautiful job of making the culture vivid. And I mean, this is part of your gifting and your understanding so that I could see what as I was reading it, I could just picture those characters and and understand even down to the f- foods they were eating, which is such a sort of embedded in you gifting and ability to be able to create stories, fiction, but to have that place and that time and that culture so locked into your understanding that you can communicate it to us in a way that it comes alive. And that was just the first book and then on and on and awards and such beauty and depth in all of your novels. How did that whole process you. go? You you So you finished this book because you were being obedient. The Lord said, yeah. you need to do this before it's too late. And you said, okay, Jesus told me to do it. I'm going to do it, which is beautiful and wonderful. We love that. And then tell us what happened.
2: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, just before I tell you that, I want to tell our listeners something because I, I want I want to warn us to be aware of our I can't. There are places in our hearts because we are fragile, God is calling us to do something, maybe in our mothering, maybe as a wife, maybe in our jobs, maybe in our ministry in the church, whatever it is where we get to a point where we press up against that fragility in our souls and we turn to God and we say, I can't. Do this. Just like Esther, when Mordecai first went to Esther and said, you have to help our people. She said, I can't, because she looked at her situation through the lens of her own history, through the lens of how her husband had treated her or through the lens of her time, not through the lens of God. And I want to say, watch your I can't with God, because you are here for such a time as this. And those places of fragility are going to be shored up in those I can't places. I had learned to trust God because he had pressed against those fragile places again and again. I had learned to be resilient because I had had to come up against failure or against rejection again and again and learn this is not going to kill me. I'm bigger than this with God. Wow. So be mindful of these these i can'ts in your story in your history. And know that you are here for such a time as this, and that's exactly what happened to me. Is that once I finished that book, God opened door after door. I mean, that story, as well as the others, have been translated. Overall, I think um, eleven languages. Wow, Robin, next to you, that's probably not many, but, uh, but <laughs>
1: no, you know, that's I- more. That's 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 amazing. You just think of how they're going out around the world. Yeah,
0: some, some little girl sitting
2: in a balcony of a church reading those. <laughs>
0: That's right, right exactly. now.
2: <laughs> I, hope, I hope so, because this is what I gained in those 20 years. In those 20 years when my fragile soul could not sit down and face that rejection, God was pouring into me more of himself. So my stories now have Romance, but they're not romance novels. They have a lot more than that. They're redemptive.
1: They're beautiful. There,
2: there is redemption in them. There is what I want when you read my stories. I hope that you come away knowing your worth. I hope that you come away knowing no matter what's happened to you or what you have done, there is on the other side hope. Um, I, I don't care what's going on in the world right now. I don't care what seems to you hopeless right now, just beyond it. There is a door God is opening. There is a destiny God has for you, and He intends to fulfill it. He will give you the strength for that.
0: That's amazing. Tessa, what I see, too, is that you love your Bible. And, you know, in that 20 years, and you probably, you know, helped by that degree, these characters in the Bible, which... Happens to me, but they come alive on the page. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like uh, you know them as your friends.
2: Thank you so much for saying that. You know, one of my joys as a writer is that I do receive a lot of letters from my readers who say, uh, you know, they admit that they have a really hard time reading the Bible, they have a really hard time, that, or, or they've walked away from God, or they've walked away from looking at the Bible in in a way that was life-giving. And then they read one of the books, which is Entirely fiction. I want to say, like, I'm going to go to heaven and have to apologize to some of the people <laughs> that I mentioned because yeah, I put words in. I tell their back, stories, I put words in their mouth. But but the reality is, I in terms of the principles of the Bible, in terms right. of the if there's um, a lot of times there are fictional characters in biblical times, but sometimes there are actual biblical characters. But I try to take be very faithful to the story and bring the principles of the Bible to life. Mm. And if these stories then make someone go and open their Bible and say, that was in the Bible, like that's the love that's in that story. That's the encouragement that's in that story. I want to read my Bible if that's what my Bible is like. And that's really the treasure for me. I I mean, obviously, this is entertainment. You're supposed to read and giggle. You're supposed to read, (laughs) maybe even cry a little bit. You're supposed to stay up at night and not get enough sleep. But by the end of the day, I hope that's not all you're left with.
1: Well, it certainly isn't when I've read your books. And the way that you've been able to continue to tell more stories is just also amazing in this industry that we're in the path has been laid and you're just walking down the path and the next project comes and you just receive it i i've just seen in your life such a trusting god and do what jesus is asking me to do Mm. which is what every woman can do Mm -hmm. and he's built in us these stories that are he's the author and finisher of our faith so we we love to see how he's brought that through your life and is using those gifts now. You're so humble. I mean it knowing you when you tell the stories of your earlier years and how you were just sort of a little bit standoffish and you I think you said proud in the first part, but it that's that has been transformed in your life so that now you are a story giver.
0: Mm, I like that. A story giver. Um, Tessa, I wanted to know um, how you go about your research, because, you know, as Robin said, yes, a lot of this probably has to do with um, things you grew up with in the Middle East, you know, some of the food, some of the ways. But I know that there's a lot more research. Uh, For instance, the book I'm reading that takes place in, you know, Rome, uh, there's a lot of information about what Rome would have looked like in um, this New Testament time. So how do you do your research?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I spend a lot of time because I feel like I owe my readers as accurate a picture as mm-hmm. I can in this adventure. I'm taking them on a fictional character that's set in a real world. Mm. So I read a lot of books. I obviously study the Bible during that time period, and um, any passages that relate to that story, I um, I study those. But you said you're reading Priscilla and Aquila. So yeah. as something as, as small as Priscilla's name, her real name is Prisca. Priscilla is actually her nickname so we can we know that in Rome there was a family named Priscus that's the male version in Latin and that they were an important family so i uh, by by kind of doing research just on the name i realized that she could either have been a slave of that family or a daughter of that family and then i came to the conclusion that no she was more likely a daughter because The slaves weren't allowed to marry, really, if they were women. Men, Mm. yes, but men were freed. Women were not freed as frequently. So, you know, just doing that kind of minute research in order to give my readers as much of a real taste, an experience of the real world as I can. I, I do cooking um, whenever I can find recipes. If there are no recipes that have survived, I just take the ingredients, for example, that are in the Bible, and I try to um, come up with recipes that fit those ingredients. Because I want to taste it. I want to smell it. I want to imagine it. I want to see it so that my readers can choose. That's
0: fantastic. Now, Tessa, I, I wanted to
2: ask also, um, so...
0: How did like Pearl in the Sand, were you reading Rahab and all of a sudden um, this story begin to, um, I know sometimes it's uh, like a downpour from the Holy Spirit. It just feel like all of a sudden, you know what you didn't know before. Um, was that how it happened? Like the story or um, did it start with the meditation and just begin to build in your heart and mind?
2: I've never had a downpour, I have to confess. I only ever have like a few drops at a time. Uh-huh. That's
0: that, good to know too. <laughs> a
2: sprinkle. That, story for me, that story for me started with the fact that she lived in a wall. Mm. And I had just uh, been to um, Florence and uh, Ponte Vecchio, which is a bridge over the River Arno. And there, in that bridge, there are literally little shops built into the wall of the bridge and i thought this is sort of it must have looked like this in jericho here's a woman living in a wall but then I thought about the emotional aspect of it. Mm. You know, here's a woman with this background and she's living in a wall. And I knew I had walls of my own. I knew there were walls that Jesus was trying to pull down and he had pulled down sort of small by small, a little bit at a time. He had pulled down in my own life. And that visual for me was just something I couldn't let go of. And that was the picture. I, the whole book was based on that image of a woman who lived in a wall and the walls that God had to bring down in order to set her free i mean all of us who are just we're talking together or listening to this right now it's just take a moment and think of the walls that are in your own life whether it's a wall of fear or mistrust or a wall of jealousy or a wall of anxiety or a wall uh that that sort of doesn't allow joy to come into your heart what are all the walls that are surrounding us that god wants to tear down what is the wall that you're living in
0: now, I have to ask this. Are any of your books translated into Farsi?
2: They're not. They're oh. not. You know, the way books are translated is that an an existing publishing house will come and sort of buy the rights to translate it. And obviously, there are no publishing houses in um, who, who want to <laughs> translate these books into Persian. But that's my prayer, because I think that you know, like my newest novel that's coming out, it's called The Hidden Prince, it comes out in November. That is set in Persia, and that contains Persian characters, historical characters, and I I just, you know, there's a part of me that desperately desires uh, that people who are from that part of the world will get to experience that book. Mm-hmm. So I want to add that
1: with this thought you just were giving us about God tearing down walls. That's, that's so helpful. I'm so glad you included that because I know for you, one of the walls that God tore down was this fear that you had failed at marriage and you would not be able to love again or be loved again. How did God tear down that wall?
2: You know, I still get choked up when I think about it because I think that you know, after all these years of being married to this wonderful man, but I, I think that there was a part of me that sort of felt like I was not worthy again. Oh. And, and that the Lord is so graciously brought this beautiful man into my yes. life who yes. you know was would just loved me so well and he's so protective he's an engineer i'm a writer we're just about as different as you can get <laughs> and yet there's you know in my engineer there's there's such sensitivity to him and he's such a like in all the places that i need to learn to plan, and I need to learn to be better at certain things. He he just very gently comes alongside me and models that for me. So it's, it's like God didn't have to speak the words into me. He just gifted this to me. And I want to say to any woman right now who wished she was married and isn't, maybe you're older than you thought you would be, and maybe you're your mind is translating all of these delays into "I'm not worthy," mm. and I just want you to know, God doesn't give His daughters away cheaply. Oh, I love and that. If you're not married, you know, if you're not married yet, and it's the desire of your heart to be married, maybe it's because there's no man, or the man who was meant to be here. He, he hasn't walked that walk with Jesus to to be worthy of you, uh, but he certainly is not going to give you away cheaply. He certainly doesn't want you to be in a miserable relationship with a man who doesn't honor him and will not honor you.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Preach it. Yes. <laughs> Tessa, <it>, go. <laughs> but I think, too, it, you know, your books are a platform to give these lessons to women and to young girls. Um, To warn them and to tell them um, you're worthy. And I love that you've taken your broken places and you've brought this healing balm into your books as you tell these stories.
1: Well, and that power to tell a story that has a redemptive love story. What a contrast to what you were reading in the balcony of the church. And (laughs) that the stories you're telling are what we need especially for the next generation to understand the love of God and to be able to get these role models in their mind of this is what marriage looks like and this is this is that deeper love that God offers to us so you're you're uh, an ambassador you're a missionary you and I've talked about this before our books are these little missionaries going out all over the world to places we will never be and in hidden, smuggled inside those books is this truth of God's deep love. It may look like a romance novel on the cover, but inside is the truth. And we get to take that truth and and write it in the stories. And then God takes it into the balconies of the church and the bedrooms <laughs> and on the s- school buses and wherever they go. It's such a privilege it's it's a it's a ministry and your preparation by going to seminary and yet here it is this sometimes looked down on profession of writing novels fiction making up stories and yet it it has this deeper tunnel that goes into the places of darkness and confusion that
0: you know, especially young hearts need the light and speaking of um goes into the dens of darkness you still have relatives that live in Iran right I mean
2: yeah I do I do yeah I do have um, relatives uh, in the Middle East and uh, in fact just yesterday um, my mom was saying because they went out to march the women took off their um, head coverings as a sort of a march of objection to the way they are being treated mm. and so as some of my um, dear ones went out and they were aware that they were targeted Wow! so they had to split up they were walking together in the march in, um, mm. in the streets and they had to split up because they realized that at least by splitting up he can only follow one you know wow. and so they all made it home except one and then she finally arrived home later that night, and she was safe. But that the guy who had been targeting them ended up following her, and he he was firing at her with these um, bullets. Uh, what are what are they called? The rubber pellets or the rubber bullets? Yeah, rubber, yeah, bullets. The rubber they, they're actually really painful and dangerous because. I mean, they can cause permanent damage. Yes, but he um, he shot her in the neck. So oh, I guess her neck was very swollen. I I don't know the exact because I hear everything through my mom, and they and my mom is eighty, so they oh. tone everything down for her because they don't want to, um, they don't want her to get too worried. But you know, this is this is what it takes. This is the courage it takes just to take your scarf off of your head.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah, and
2: we have. Such freedom. We mm-hmm. we really have such freedom in this part of the world and I every day we forget I think to be grateful and to use that freedom for for the glory of God. But it is an extraordinary because I know but for the grace of God that is where I am. And we were talking about stories just a moment ago and thank you so much, Robin, for what you said. I do think everybody, in a way, is like a little Shahrazad mm. who's going into the world, and all of our stories have power. Um, if, if I may tell the story from my yes. perspective, you know, I, it's, a, a Thousand and One Nights is a story from my part of the world, and in it, it's a king. It's, it's about a king who married a woman that he absolutely loved, and he poured all his trust and he loved, and his love into this queen. Unfortunately, he had chosen the wrong woman and she wasn't worthy of his trust and his love. And it turns out within a few hours, they were uh, able to stop her, but she had planned to kill him and replace him with her lover. Mm. But this process destroyed his heart so much. And this is all, you know, a made up story, obviously, but (laughs) this process destroyed his heart so much that he Lost his ability to love rightly, lost his ability to trust completely. And in this part of his life, almost became mad or became mad. And so he would marry women because he had to ensure succession. But the next morning, he would think, Oh, she's going to do the same thing to me as the other one. I'm going to kill her before she can hurt me. So then he would kill all of these queens. And Sherazad fell in love with him because she had seen his the the true man, and so she she chose to marry him. And her greatest gift was were, were, were stories. And so that first night, she told him this story about uh, about love and about love that could be trusted, but it was full of adventure. And right when it got to the really good bit, she stopped and she said, "Okay, I'm really tired. I'm going to sleep." And he said, "What do you mean? You can't stop now." <laughs> and she said, "Yeah, too bad. I'm, I'm going to sleep." So in the morning, he decided not to kill her because he thought, I want to hear the rest of this story. And every night this went on. Every night she would tell him a new story and and a story about trust, a story about friendship, a a story about healing, a story about restoration. And eventually, after weeks and months of this, he woke up one morning and he realized he utterly loved Sherzat, not because he could guarantee that she would never um, betray him, because love doesn't guarantee anything but because he loved her enough that he was willing to um, to risk it, to risk being hurt, to risk losing everything. And so those stories brought him back into his right mind. And I feel like the world we live in today, that's our king. Our world is mad. It's gone crazy. It's lost its ability to love, to trust, to forgive, to be a restoring world, to be a world of joy. It doesn't know how to do any of those things. But each one of us, every woman right now who's listening to us or man, um, there, there is a story in your life that Jesus had pulled get, has pulled together is still completing. But there are parts of your life that are going to be a thread into the madness of the world to pull it out and replace it with sanity, with truth, with the way to life. So tell your stories, share them. We are all storytellers. Even if you're not a published author, you are a storyteller.
1: I love that story. I love it because it's just one story upon another that gives those examples of love and trust and hope and faith and patience. And that restores souls. And that's what God did with his one book. He told story after story, true stories and parables. Those stories are what give us that hope and that vision of of, of trusting him completely.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank I do, you. too. And I'm afraid we're going to have to end this episode. But boy, Tessa, I think everyone's going to want to rush out and get those books. I mean, I know I can't wait to finish this one and get on to the next and we want to thank you so much um, for letting us introduce you to our listeners um, because your story as you said we all have a story but your story is um, particularly poignant and especially your love for jesus and his word um, just radiates even in your voice and i just want to thank you for being on um, women worth knowing Thank you so Thank much, you my
1: so friend, much. Tessa. And we Absolutely. will be posting your website, tessaafshar.com, and uh, titles of your books so yep. that our listeners That's can right. discover the light and that be- the beauty
0: and the hope in your stories. And maybe alive in their own stories. Yes, yes. Which would be fantastic. So this is Cheryl Broderson. And Robin Jones-Gunn. Thank you for joining us. This episode with Tessa.
2: Thank you. It's been a joy and an honor. God bless you. Oh, Bye-bye. You guys are amazing. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again And for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.